Grace, mercy, and peace are yours. From God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We've been following a sermon series we called White as Snow, looking at different pictures that the Bible gives us of our forgiveness. Now, it's certainly true that God simply could have said in his word, you are forgiven, and that would bring us peace and joy. But the pictures, the pictures that God attaches to that forgiveness drive home even more what our Savior has done to cleanse us of our sin and purify us before God. Today, we'll focus on the word canceled. What do you think of when you hear that word cancel? Isn't it true that the word cancel can be both a positive and a negative thing? For instance, maybe some of you can remember, and maybe some of you are even in this right now, waiting to see when snow was in the forecast if maybe, just maybe, school was going to be canceled for the day, right? Or I think about our college students here today. Wouldn't it be great if after the service you went home, opened up your laptop, and there was an email from your professor saying, your final exam has been canceled. That'd be awesome. But you know that it has a negative side to it too, the idea of the word cancel. For instance, if you have to cancel your plans for vacation because of health or because of weather, that's not a good thing. Maybe if your favorite show on television is canceled, it doesn't get renewed, that's not fun either. Or maybe... You've had to call your bank to cancel all of your cards because someone took your wallet or your purse. Those kind of things are not fun to be canceled. But today, as God speaks to us about sins being canceled, perhaps we could take that word cancel and use it as a tremendous encouragement to know that we stand before God with sins completely gone. That's the good news of this word cancel as God lays it out for us through the Apostle Paul's words in Colossians chapter 2. Here's what Paul wrote. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. As we spend just a, a few moments today contemplating these words of the Apostle Paul, let's do it with just that one word in mind, canceled. Knowing that, first of all, we have crossed from death to life, and then, secondly, it all happens by the cross of our Savior, Jesus. Paul's letter to the Colossians is actually a pretty quick read. It's about four chapters. It is four chapters long. And as, as you read through it, I think one of the things that you might discover is that Colossians is kind of about Christmas. Because what Paul lays out for us in his four chapters of that letter is how God, in the form of Jesus, is still supreme. Jesus has the fullness of the deity that lives in his bodily form. And yet, the mystery of the incarnation, that Jesus would come to this earth, that God would take on human flesh is a big part of what Paul talks about too and how Jesus is sufficient for our salvation. That's all wrapped up in the person of Jesus, fully God and fully human in the same person. That mystery is hard for us to understand, but don't we see it in the work of our Savior? How else could we explain that a Jesus who was tired and fell asleep on a boat moments later could stand up and say, quiet, 
be still. And the storm would become completely gone. How else can we understand that, that Jesus could get hungry and want to eat? And yet, that same Jesus could take a boy's lunch, meager as it was, and feed 5,000 people with that lunch. Or how else could we understand that, that Jesus could be sad at the gravesite of his friend Lazarus, and yet in the next moment command that Lazarus come out, raise Lazarus from the dead? Isn't that the God-man all wrapped up in the same person? And that's what Paul wants us to see, how special our Savior is. He wants us to wonder, where would we be without Christmas? Where would we be without Christ? And he doesn't leave much room for the imagination, doesn't he? He paints a couple of striking pictures for us. He starts those two, word, those two verses of our text with these words, we were dead in our transgressions and sins. We couldn't lift a finger to help ourselves. There was nothing that we could contribute to God that would make us right before him. And then he adds to that this picture, that we have a debt that we owe, a debt that we could never pay, we could never satisfy that debt before God. We can't bring to him any righteousness. We know that we have fallen far short of God's glory. And in those verses, had someone not intervened, had God not intervened, had Jesus not become flesh, we would stand before God condemned. Sinners who bring nothing to the table, nothing to God on our own. There's one more sense of the word cancel that I didn't talk about at the start. But I think you know it pretty well. What a world we live in, right? Where if you say the wrong thing or support the wrong cause, you can be canceled. Cancel culture is what we call it today. And cancel culture can be unforgiving and at times even nasty. Whether it's real or perceived, one word from someone in the public eye can get them canceled, completely dismissed by others. And I thought about that when I thought about our own missteps, our own sins. I suppose all of us could be canceled in the court of public opinion, on social media sites. But wouldn't it even be worse to be canceled by God? And he could, couldn't he? He knows our shortcomings. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our sins. And do you see what Paul is doing by pointing those things out? Not wanting us to despair, but driving us right back to the baby who was born in Bethlehem. You see, Paul highlights where we were on our own so that we can see the joy, the joy of salvation that we have in Jesus, that God didn't cancel us, but he sent Jesus to cancel our sins. We have crossed from those who are condemned to those who are given life, all by the cross of our Savior. Again, those, those pictures that, that Paul paints of, of where we stood on our own are, are kind of striking, but they spotlight the grace of God all the more. Paul goes on to say that though we were dead in transgressions, though we were dead in sins, we've been made alive with Christ. God reminds us that he's already paid the price for our sins, that we stand before him holy and blameless. We are forgiven in the blood of Jesus. Paul even uses the word, you probably caught it in the text as I read it, 
that our debt has been canceled. It's a picture word in the original Greek language. The picture includes erasing, wiping out, canceling, eliminating completely. That's what God has done with your sins and mine through Jesus. How, we might ask ourselves, did God do that? Did he simply look the other way, sort of forget about our sins? Not even close. Did you hear what it cost God to do that for you and me? He took it away, Paul says, by nailing it to the cross. That's what Jesus was willing to do. The Jesus who came as a humble baby suffered an unthinkable death on the cross. Could we say this? That as Jesus hung on the cross, in effect, he was canceled. People were shouting their insults at him, wondering why it is that he was dying the death of a criminal. And yet Jesus was on that cross so that our sins would be canceled. That we would enjoy in full the forgiveness of what stood between us and God that's now completely eliminated. That's the picture that God wants you to see in this word, that word canceled, that you and I are saved. That, that what we couldn't do for ourselves, God did. And that Jesus who came into this world left it triumphant after his resurrection from the dead and his ascension into heaven. Jesus promises you and me that we live debt-free lives, lives that are free from sin because of what Christ has done and then free to serve because of what our Savior has done. Jesus himself talked about that freedom in these words from John chapter 8. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Just a couple of things for you to take away from our brief message today. Number one, God did not cancel us because of our sins. He sent his own son for us. Paul wrote this to the Romans. God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Then number two, through Jesus, God has canceled our debt of sin and gives us life. The wages of sin is death, that same apostle wrote, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Psalm 130 contains these words, If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? We know what our record of sin looks like before God. I suppose to give it a picture, it's like the jar on the left, filled with IOUs, things that we owe to God because we have not measured up to his holy demands. But do you know how that psalmist continues that verse? Who could stand, he asks, and then says, but with you there is forgiveness, Lord. That's the picture that Jesus is painting for us today. Our jar that's filled with debt is completely empty. It's emptied out because Jesus paid that price because, yes, our sins have truly been canceled. We no longer fear death because we have life. Life with our Savior forever, all because he was willing to go to the cross. Canceled. Isn't it a beautiful word? Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds. In Christ Jesus, amen.